The Thought Leader video series is brought to you by LaForge. Learn more at laforgegroup.com. Hi, everybody. It's Ben Thorpe with Farm Equipment Magazine here with another episode of our Thought Leaders video series. Today, I'm joined by Ted Briscoe. Ted, can you give us a, a quick introduction on who you are? Yeah. Hey, Ben. Uh, Ted Briscoe. I'm CEO of Sign Stricker Novi Partners. We're a uh, fairly large John Deere dealer covering the eastern two-thirds of Missouri, southern third of Illinois. We like to think of ourselves as a forward-thinking dealer, but I have the same challenges and problems everyone. So excited to share a little bit about what we're doing uh, to help us take greater control of our own destiny with uh, technicians. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of why I reached out. We started talking is you guys announced, I believe, I believe it was August, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys uh, launched a tech school to help, you know, bring in some technicians into the dealership. So I was hoping we could start with just an overview of, of what it is, who you're bringing in and, and what they're learning. Yeah, so uh, well, probably about a year ago, we got tired of uh, feeling sorry for ourselves and the struggles with uh, the lack of qualified technicians, at least in our area, although I don't think the problem's unique to us. So we worked through an analysis and decided to start our own technician training program. And uh, I guess more than just training, this this is a tech college, we call it our career academy. And th this is not to replace, but to augment the work we're doing with the John Deere tech training program, as well as the state of Missouri, there's, there's a program. So we uh, bought a facility that uh, has about a 10,000 foot, uh, we call it our lab space or hands-on training space and about 5,000 feet for classroom that uh, we have set up. And uh, we've got a 10 month curriculum of, uh, getting students uh, through the program. So uh, we, again, are using this as a third source of technicians uh, for uh, SNP. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Can you give us uh, just kind of a brief overview of maybe what the curriculum and, and kind of the schedule is? Like what exactly are these students going to be doing and, and how long is it going to take to get them into your shops? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, I guess we looked at this, we didn't want just another copy of what John Deere is doing or Missouri State Tech. So what we create is a, a shorter curriculum where we can get people um, to, to work back in our shops as quickly as possible, as quickly as really practical. So this, uh, instead of the DEER program where you rotate back and forth, we have 10 months of uh, uh, continuous training for these students. And when they graduate, they will either come out uh, certified either for a large ag track or a small ag track. So we're not trying to teach them two years worth of everything. So as these students start, uh, the, the first three months will be through some standard curriculum that would be kind of a S&P Service 101, where we're teaching our business processes, service advisor, the standard business tools that they need in terms of how they conduct their business. Uh, that's followed up with um, um, a module on engines and transmissions, and then a module on components. So that will be kind of the first third approximately of the curriculum. After that, we move into approximately month-long blocks that are product-specific. So again, upon completion of the program, these students will all have gone through the, the core curriculum and then four or five different product-specific blocks, with the idea being they'll come out ready to be productive in the shop, either on uh, you know turf, cuts, um, some of the smaller stuff or specialized on large ag. And then the way we've set this up, Ben, is that 
this isn't a one and done. They can go through the program, and if they go through a small uh, uh, equipment track, they can come back later to kind of what we're calling summer school and learn about planters or sprayers so they can augment their initial training with with follow-on work. Uh, so we uh, we have 25 students in our program right now. Uh, we provide housing for them. Uh, this is all in a centralized facility in the, the geographic center of our footprint, so right outside St. Louis. So again, uh, when, when they come to work, we're paying them as full-time employees. We're providing their housing. Uh, their training is their job. So they're on our payroll. They're expected to show up just like it's their job. And uh, we're paying them to go through this training uh, with the the knowledge that they're going to be have a job uh, and i'd say probably 80 maybe 90 percent of them know exactly where they're going to be upon graduation mm -hmm. and and just for for details sake so do you as the dealership make the final call if they go to the small or large egg or do they kind of let you know along the process which one they're they're leaning toward you know that, that's decided up front you know we work with them as part of the recruiting process and again this is our first class through so there's not a lot of options that we're providing at this point. Uh, uh, as, as we get further into uh, subsequent classes, we will have more flexibility with the programming and more and more uh, decisions that the students can make in terms of uh, you know the, the path they're going down. Right now, the biggest uh, choice they have is which location they want to be in. Mm -hmm. So right now, most of the students are hardwired to a particular location. We would love to get to a point where you know, we have a, a bigger say in where they end up based on where our needs are, but uh, that's just not where we are quite yet. Right, right. Okay. Um, and I thought I read somewhere, and maybe I'm wrong, that you already have a couple people signed up for, for next year's class. Is that true? Or are you already planning to what, what next year's going to look like? We, we, we do. We're, uh, we, we've had a little bit of embarrassment of riches here, or, or we were poor planners. Uh, our, our original thought was to have 15 students the first year, 20 the second, 25 in the third. And with the space we have, we think 25 is the maximum students that we'd ever want to have at a given time. Uh, in, in our first year, we actually ended up with 26 students. So we hit our year three goal in the first year. And the interesting thing is this system kind of uh, will perpetuate itself. These guys are all from local communities and they're in some ways local success stories. So the program is feeding on itself. So we already have more applicants for next fall's class than we have spots available. So we're gonna be in a little different position for the second year where we're gonna be uh, selecting students, uh, working through some interviews and picking the best available as opposed to year one, truthfully, we took everyone that applied. So mm -hmm. it's it's a nice position to be in, to be a little bit more selective. And uh, anyway, we're glad to be filled to capacity right away. Mm -hmm. What where was what was the sourcing process? Did you guys advertise and, and where are these students coming from? Yeah, it's a great question. So we've always had a, a pretty active presence in our local communities, either through the high school 4-H programs or you know, uh, uh, college fairs. So, so we've been present. And so really this was all about putting an offering out there in conversations that we were already having. And what we found out is that for a lot of students, the, the, it's, it's, it's a lot more attractive to be able to have an official job right away and be able to go to work in 10 months as opposed to two years. Some, some people just are more inclined to want to do that. 
Honestly, some people just need to do that. They need to be making money sooner. So we found that we had a, a, a pretty unique offering for a, a subset of students that were already predisposed to want to enter a path like this. So we're, we're making a, a, another option available to people that have interest. And so it's a pretty fun, easy story to tell. And uh, we've had a, a lot of fun with it. Uh, you know, our student signing days, uh, we go and we're taking fun pictures of people with their families back at their high school, just like they've signed up to be in a linebacker at the University of Alabama. So uh, it's, it's neat. These guys are proud. Their families are proud. It's a fun way for us to celebrate success back in their local communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine, too, the offer of, of getting paid the whole time and having housing is probably a big draw, too, right? It is nice. And uh, these guys, uh, you know, th- these are pretty nice apartments we have them set up in. They're all there together, uh, um, studying together, working together, uh, having a lot of fun. Uh, we even had two students decide they were falling in love. So uh, we've even uh, have a little bit of a matchmaking service. Uh, unintentionally, it's probably not the best idea, but that happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not advertising that, the the matchmaking. That's what we're leading with. <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah, why don't we dive into some of the details then of, of how you created it? So you, what was the selection process for where it was going to be and and how did you kind of decide to like build the housing and, and get everything ready to bring in students? Yeah, so uh, the, the location was really just one of us being pragmatic. Yeah, we wanted to pick a place that was easy for the students to get back to their homes on the weekend. Um, a lot of these people will stay in the apartments the full time. But a lot of them still want to be back uh, with their families in their local community. So uh, St. Louis is the geographic center. So that became a, a, a logical place for us. Uh, we, we were looking at the same time for a facility for a logistics center and a larger um, uh, resource for our e-commerce business. So we ended up um, acquiring a 55,000 foot facility that houses both our our career academy uh, as well as our logistics center for the uh, moving parts around and our e-commerce center. So we've taken a portion of that and dedicated for the uh, career academy. Uh, The building was purchased last spring and uh, we literally got the the final pieces for the career academy done the week before uh, we opened the doors on September 1st. Mm. So Uh, the housing, you asked about the housing. Uh, What we've done right now is rent apartments from a, a, a complex a couple miles away. So these guys can run home for lunch if they want to. Uh, some of them go home and play video games or take a nap, but it's very close. So they've got that flexibility to to, to get back. It's very convenient. And uh, over time, uh, we expect we might build our own com- a complex that uh, is more specifically tailored to the, the needs of our students. But right now we are renting from a third-party landlord. That was going to be my question is if you if you built the housing yourself or not. That sounds like a really cool concept, like a totally centralized campus where everything happens in your own facility. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, and these guys are helping us figure it out. Uh, you know, uh, we, we think we're planning well and anticipating things, but, you know, we make a lot of mistakes, a lot of poor assumptions. And so we encourage them from the beginning, tell us what's going well, but more importantly, Tell us what we can do to make it better. We can make it more attractive, more comfortable, more fun, uh, more engaging learning environment. So, you know, learning with their input is kind of a part of the the process for us as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Something else I wanted to ask about, too, is um, 
just your your ex- expectations for return on investment. I know you said you only expected, I think you said 10 people the first year. You had 26 ultimately. Um, so I expect you're already kind of seeing the return, more of the return than you initially thought you were going to get. Um, do you have like a, a time frame of how long you want this to go? So it it kind of what your initial investment in pays off in the long run? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, we really did this for strategic reasons and securing the, the, the pipeline of technicians. That was the core driver. Um, we do, though, have a return investment model and we have to keep ourselves honest about this. So uh, at, at full population or with 25 students, it cost us about $65,000 per student to get them through the program. And so that that is with all costs, everything being fully allocated from the utilities to the instructors to the tools that we provide. Every student gets a $10,000 set of tools that's theirs after two years. So uh, all this is, you know, a part of this initial startup cost. So we've got a $65,000 commitment for each student. And through a combination of you know, saving uh, uh, tuition reimbursement for these students that if we were sending them to a John Deere school, uh, internal training that we will save on, and then really Im- improvement in their productivity when their first two years in the shop are the assumptions or the drivers of how we get the return or, or get our money back. So we have assumptions that uh, – really are primarily tied to how much more productive they can be when they get in the shop, when we teach them our way. So this is the big unproven factor. This is the big unknown, the big bet that we're making is that we believe that coming through our program, teaching them our processes, teaching them the SMP way will not only help us with retention of technicians, but also improve their productivity for the first couple of years. And, you know, those details I'm happy to share with anyone, you know, individually that wants to see the details of our financial model. You know, it's probably too uh, complicated to get into here, but those are the drivers. And again, if we miss on making them more productive when they enter our shops, financially, this program will not work. Uh, Mm -hmm. We may continue it because the strategic need, but that's where the real lever is. And if we're even close to our assumptions, it, financially, this thing will start being very attractive for us in addition to securing the, the technicians. So it's all about their initial productivity in the first you know, first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and to kind of wrap up here, and this this is for, for dealers who are maybe watching this or read your press release and are curious, um, do you forecast this being a more common thing for dealers doing creating their own in-house programs to bring in techs and for dealers who are maybe looking at your model and thinking that they could implement something similar, how do you recommend they kind of start looking into it? Yeah. So I, if it works, you know, if, if our financial assumptions work, I think it's a no brainer for dealers of scale that can afford to make this kind of investment. You know, certainly you have to have enough scale or have enough need for technicians to make the financials work. So I think that there are going to be some dealers we already have had several approach us that are already willing to take the risk or the step like we have. I think the larger group will be people that pause a little bit and wait and see how this goes. And, and can we change the productivity curve enough to make this work? And we're happy to share that again 
through a form like this or individually with any dealer. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that some version of this uh, will be around for a long time. Uh, whether or not we had this nailed perfectly, phase one, uh, yet to be seen, probably not. But we'll, we'll, we'll change it. We're committed to this. We're going to make it work. Uh, we know there's a lot more right about it that's wrong. So we're going to keep fine tuning this. And again, happy to to share, you know, anything that's appropriate with our journey with other dealers. So this is all good for the industry. I don't see the tech shortage going away. So there's going to have to be creative solutions like this that are going to allow us to, again, secure our own future. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we've covered some good ground here. Any wrap up thoughts on the program that we haven't covered or, you know, the need for innovation to keep to bring in and retain tax in our industry? No, I just uh, the thing I'd say is we all have to keep looking outside of the traditional tools that we have, whether it's recruiting our local communities or counting on John Deere or, you know, other manufacturers to help us recruit and train technicians. And so the more that we we believe anyway, the more we can do and the more we can learn from that and, and listen to these students, uh, we're going to be more effective. Again, we're learning a lot by listening to what these guys want and need. Uh, instead of just assuming that what worked yesterday is the right answer for tomorrow. Okay. Well, this has been great, Ted. Thanks so much for sharing your, your details of your program with us. All right. Thanks, Ben.